this is the car dealer podcast driven by car gurus. You want the best return from your advertising budget and car gurus piston heads are focused on the same goal. With car gurus piston heads you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites who can turbocharge your digital forecourt. Connect with in-market high quality buyers today. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. For a limited time only, get 10% reduction off your new subscription when you tell them that we sent you. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk. Welcome back to the Car Dealer Podcast. If you've never listened before, we do our roundup of the week's news a little differently. We've made it into a competition to choose the best stories of the week, and we ask an industry guest to choose the winner. Joining me this week is Car Dealer Editor-in-Chief James Baggett, and our guest judge is Darren Selig from JBR Capital. Welcome both, and nice to have you here, Darren. What has been keeping you busy this week, Darren? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me on on your podcast. So this is uh, this is very exciting for me. Normally, we're we're hosting our JBR Find Your Passion podcast, so I'm, I'm delighted to be a guest on your show. And uh, but uh, to your question, what's been keeping me busy this week is, is pretty much the same that keeps me busy every week, which is a huge raft of uh, finance applications uh, for customers who want to um, live the dream and uh, you know, drive their passionate car. And uh, it's been you know, nothing short of an absolute bonkers year. Uh, you know, you know, what, what you're seeing in um, dealer world and car world in terms of uh, sales, in terms of short supply and new cars, pushing people into uh, used cars, and then uh, you know, dealers finding it difficult to, to get the stock, price rises, all that good stuff. Is, is really translating into what can only be described as an epic proportion record levels in, in financing of these customers. And, you know, I'd love to say that's very specific to JBR Capital, but it's not. It's something that is being seen right across the, the industry. Uh, um, but we are, we are, you know, we are seeing and uh, being the benefactors of that. And um, so uh, we, are, we are being inundated. It's just mad, mad busy and um you know just to put it into kind of you know kind of perspective for people who may know nothing about jbl capital we are you know an independent lender probably the only independent lender in the uk who's wholly focused on funding uh, higher value vehicles funding from twenty five thousand pounds upwards you know pre-pandemic levels we were seeing um you know around 350 or so applications a month you know compared to the large finance companies is small numbers but for us it's big we're now seeing over 550 and growing and that's been literally since we kind of re-entered the market back in march of this year with started lending so uh it's just 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 mad bonkers and so, um yeah. i've got a few questions about this i mean i take it i mean the, you're seeing in the luxury car world what what everybody's seeing a lot of people have been saving cash they haven't been able to go on holiday exactly. and they're starting to splash out on something nice yes. um, there's probably a lot of company directors out there who have um have done pretty well actually off the back of some government help and some furlough cash and um some some lot some what bounce back loans and all sorts they've probably yes. washed with some cash and wanting to spend it on 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 the sort of cars that you lend on 
my question is at the, at the bit of the pandemic i remember doing a lot of stories um with some of the dealers you probably do business with some of the you know some of the high-end specialist guys like like likes of tom hartley and nmre cars and they were saying that their biggest problem was the banks got really nervy they got really nervy with future value so um, when you a lot of people pcp um finance these these supercars as it's sort of the best way to do it isn't it with a with a decent balloon payment at the end but if you can't do it if the banks are nervy and that and that future value in the end is is poor the finance gets really expensive so has that changed now is it is it better are are, are the banks lend, are giving better valuations because let's face it used cars have gone up and they keep going up especially the sort of stuff that you're yeah. you're providing yeah. finance for i mean used cars are up around 30 percent since the start of the year and uh so you know, obviously, you'd, you'd ex all customers would hope that that would translate into giving improved residual values. But I guess, you know, what they say is what goes up must come down. And it's just a question of how quickly things may potentially come down in the future and normalise. Because, you know, th these, you know, astronomic price rises we're seeing is fantastic uh, uh, news for the moment. But the question is, is, you know, you know, when will it get back to normal levels? And when it does so, um, are we going to see the same kind of drops in values um, as the rises or will it just, uh, you know, uh, depreciate at normal levels and who knows, I think it's going to be absolutely fine in terms of those values and rises over the course of the next 12 months I don't from that perspective I don't really see anything changing dramatically over the next 12 months, maybe the, the price increase rises per month may start to slow as manufacturers start to increase the production and the semiconductors crisis starts to starts to improve but just just going backwards a bit to kind of when the uh, pandemic started which was march 2020 and what uh, finance companies did and how they reacted and uh, you know jbl capital was slightly different to how other people reacted we actually paused lending mm -hmm. and uh, we focused on our back book and our customers to ensure that everyone was okay because the world was in panic mode. Um, even wealthy uh, individuals um, stop. So uncertainty tends to make just people stop in their tracks, even if they have, you know, bags full of cash. Um, so, you know, like all finance companies, you start to see the rise of the requests for forbearance, payment holidays, um, you know, structured payments, all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, we, 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 fared, we fared pretty well. You know, I think at the peak, uh, you know, we had maybe 17% of our customers or thereabouts and some form of kind of plan or payment holiday, et cetera. And compared to consumer motor finance lenders, um, you know, they were on 25% plus and asset finance lenders were on, you know, SME lenders, 50% plus. Uh, but that position for us changed very quickly after the first lockdown. And as, as you say, James, uh, people realise actually um, it is going to be okay and actually my business is going to be okay and actually there's lots of opportunities where I can even make more money this year than I did previously and that has has been the case you know obviously not everybody has been a, a beneficiary the last 12 months has been very difficult in in you know various different sectors such as hospitality um, uh, and air travel uh, but you know a lot of our customers have fared very well um during that time other so, lenders, are, so are the banks being more bullish now with yeah, those so, so coming, coming to your question um during last year we paused lending 
other banks, uh, you know, did various degrees of stopping lending and starting or saying that they were open. But, you know, it was the typical scenario that, you know, when there's a downturn and there's uncertainties, banks and financial institutions tend to tighten up their credit criteria and, and their appetite. And last year, what you saw, saw after the first lockdown finished was in June, there's just boom in car sales. That's when it started. And it's never stopped since last June. That's what all the dealer world is, is saying and have been saying to us. Um, so there was huge demand um, for purchases and limited appetite to lend. Um, so it became quite frustrating for people because they were not getting the finance deal that they wanted in terms of the advances, in terms of the balloons, the residuals, as you say. And that really had nothing to do with car values. That really was down to uh, lenders' appetite and being cautious because, you know, from a lending perspective, you're looking at a position of, well, hold on a minute. At the moment, we've got like 20% plus people, whatever the number is, you know, on some kind of uh, payment holiday, restructured payment, lower payments. Um, so we're not really going to be going gung ho. It wouldn't kind of fit with what we're seeing with managing our existing customer base. So, you know, uh, you know, as you'd normally see, it was a, a tightening up in appetite, both in advances and residuals. Uh, and, and, and that didn't really change for a lot of other lenders. Um, some actually have even pulled out the market completely. Uh, JBR, then we've restarted lending in March and we've just come back doing um you know pretty much what we do which is setting um a deal that's suitable and appropriate for a customer for the vehicle they're buying so we will look at the advance that's appropriate for that vehicle and the customer profile and also in terms of the residual value what's appropriate in today's market for that vehicle so we're just always very kind of static and stable in in the middle rather than potentially other lenders who kind of go up and down like a yo-yo uh, depending what's going on in the market, um, you know, but we are now starting to see um, other lenders in the market starting to improve. I think finally coming to the answer to your question, uh, you know, why say something in 10 words when you can say it in a thousand? Oh. Um, and, uh, but yeah, other lenders are slowly improving their position. I think from a personal perspective, um, I do think the market should still remain cautious in terms of residuals and uh, future values um, for for the reason I said um, earlier on in that yes you are getting these big rises in values and purchase prices um, on used vehicles but as the market will undoubtedly turn and new more new cars come into the market and the market starts to become a little bit more flooded and more availability of stock that will have a negative effect on those cars and it's just a question of whether whether there'll be a catch-up or whether it will just, you know, amortise down at normal levels. I think so, it's going to take, I, I don't think, personally, yeah. it's going to be a big crash. I, I honestly think that it's going to be a slow, a slow uh, readjustment in those valuations, because I can't see manufacturers wanting to rush back to producing huge numbers of cars like they did before. We discussed this last week, actually, with Mike Jones on the, on the yeah. podcast. And I can't see manufacturers wanting to go back to selling those huge numbers of cars, especially in the luxury end um, of making cars for stock. They might as well make them for people that are happy to wait. And I think 
that this demand of, uh, that, that we're seeing with, is is going to continue. And if the demand continues, it keeps prices high. Um, and I think I, I can't see it changing anytime soon. So I, I just I, I agree I with you. I, I think uh, manufacturers um, um, hopefully won't flood the market and will keep the production numbers slightly lower. Uh, obviously, all manufacturers have got um, the change to EV and um, uh, electric electrification in mind. So I think perhaps they're going to use it as an opportunity to do that switch more subtly than potentially they may have thought of um, yeah. and, and just keep the supply of kind of diesel and petrol cars a little, a little bit more limited. I'd hope so, because actually that would just help the market maintain values and prices. From a lender's perspective, though, um, I would be, um, you know, still you know a little bit cautious um in that from a residual perspective i wouldn't want to overcook the residuals too much and you know on some cars in the luxury market dare i say it, we have seen some of that kind of premium um coming back in you know when, yeah. which is kind of paying over the odds yeah with the mm. even over the price drivers coming in and that is slightly dangerous uh you know from a lending perspective because you know, in the unfortunate circum you know circumstances where perhaps you know we have to repossess a vehicle it's not worked out with a customer um you know if people have paid premiums then undoubtedly you know you're going to be in a negative equity situation and uh you know i think we have a duty to protect customers as well as ourselves mm. uh, from that position you know every customer thinks their car is going to be worth far more than it actually is and uh, these kind of price rises only fuels that kind of mentality yeah so, whilst i'm optimistic about uh, the future in the same way you are i think we still have to be cautious from a lending perspective to ensure people don't have negative equity mm. I, I, I i can't believe it a bank being cautious i mean i've never <laughs> never, never seen it before I've, um... well, we're not a bank we're an independent lender maybe that's, it. Maybe that's the difference <laughs> We I've actually, um, no, I want to make my point first. Oh, okay. Because I've changed my perspective on this this week. Oh, cool. I read something on the forum, which is obviously the best place to go for all, um, all views on these sort of things. Yeah. It did make me think, like I'm talking about the volume side of the market, that, and I have banged on for ages about how I think everything will be fine. Everyone I talk to, I'm like, well, don't worry. Prices are going to go down as slowly as they've, um, or the same sort of rates they would have before and we'll be in the same situation um, but yeah, someone made a point on the forum about when these new cars are available and how people are going to look at their cars and all of a sudden think, well, is it worth it anymore? And I don't, I think you're right. I do think at the more luxury side of the market, it's not going to be a problem. But I do think the lower end of the market, brands like Ford and Vauxhall aren't going to want to drip feed stuff back in. We you know what? They're going to want to get those things back up. And oh, yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting situation. Just one additional point in, you know, more specifically to the luxury end of the market that, you know, helps support values and helps support the demand outstripping supply um, is actually Brexit. Because mm. prior to Brexit, you know, in the, the upper echelons of that market, people are quite happy to shop globally for, for yeah. various cars. Now people are reluctant to do that because the, the VAT position has changed yeah. and yeah. 20% more expensive if you import them in. So that has made uh, a number of customers uh, just shop in the UK for their cars. Yeah. Whereas perhaps beforehand they were looking kind of wide circles, which has put more pressure on, on the supply side. Mm. Uh, so I think that was also helping maintain values. But, you know, that's quite specific to the, to the yeah. left. 
Right, come on, let's do it. Okay, okay, sorry. Um, So if you've listened before, you'll know how the quiz works. James and I have both chosen five stories that have appeared on Car Dealer this week. We're going to take it in turns to talk about the news we've chosen, and at the end, Darren is going to decide who won. If you want to play along, then tweet at Car Dealer Mag with the stories you think we should have included. And if you enjoy what you hear today, then please let us know by giving us a rating or review wherever you are listening. I won last week, so I get to go first for once. Uh, but James is still leading 4-1. Excellent. <laughs> Thank there you. you um, so I'm going to go. My first story is relating to car dealer power. If you haven't heard about car dealer power, you probably haven't been on the car dealer website this week because it's got a massive takeover. Go over, watch the video. It's brilliant. We worked really hard on it. And I was quite pleased with how it turned out. Um, but I picked out this um, interesting point from um, Kia boss Paul Philpott who was talking about, interestingly, very similar to what we've just been talking about, how the supply situation is helping dealers. But um, I thought it was just interesting. He was talking about um, how we need to continue changing the way we look at dealerships. Um, And he said that um, historically, that's what we're allowed to say. um, Things are changing. The way we remunerate staff um, with short supply has changed too. And I thought that was a really interesting point about um, the situation we're in at the moment. what's mm. going to be happening with sales staff what they're getting paid um but I it's guess just that's because i guess that's because you're saying well there's so much demand that the cars sell themselves so why do we need to yeah why can you make commission can't, schemes can't yeah because well, make... cars they can't sell can you yeah and um yeah just changing the way that their dealers are looking at things when they can't just go out to the forecourt and say which one do you want you can have it in two weeks and actually that whole new perspective on how can you manage your staff so yeah it was a really interesting interview and worth having a listen to if you get a chance but um yeah i think we're going to see more change kind of leads on from what we were talking about last week with mike allen things are changing yeah. and people are changing the way they model their business i'm glad well, you brought up car dealer power because i did have it on i did have it on my list um and uh, yeah i was just going to say for, you know for those people who, who don't know what car dealer power is it's our survey of of dealers and they rank their manufacturers in 13 key areas and then we produce a list of the best uh, to worst manufacturers to represent in the uk and it always makes fascinating reading i think you know at the top this year kia obviously absolutely aced it didn't they i mean i know we talk mm. about this at length in our in our video and that's why we talked to why we talked to philpot um all about it but they did incredibly well this year nearly perfect scores and 10 percent ahead of second place bmw which i thought was really really remarkable this year um but also i always find it interesting to see who's at the bottom of the table um and mm-hmm. i mean especially after last year mg were absolutely distraught with the fact that they were near the bottom of the table. Um, they came on Cardi Alive and we discussed um, what, how they were going to tackle it. Um, but once again, they are second from bottom. So they clearly haven't done anything about it. The dealers are still not very happy. Um, but right at the bottom, Citroen, I was quite surprised about that. But um, Citroen right at the bottom of the table in 24th place. Um, there were some manufacturers who didn't appear on the list. because I was were, listening to uh, your your podcast from last week um where you were talking about um the franchise dealer group models and how they're working with manufacturers and the potential switch over to an agency model from a franchise model and how that will affect them and um i thought i thought there was one thing missing actually from that piece that wasn't mentioned maybe that's just kind of you know from the finance side was actually uh 
looking at the profit centers where traditionally in the last decade, large dealer groups where they've made their profits and actually they've made most of their profits from finance insurance rather than from the metal of the car. And, uh, you know, the profit margins in the metal have been very, very thin. Um, and, you know, the large element of the kind of profit per unit um, for, for franchise groups has come from F&I. So, and, and there's been a lot of changes in, in that market in terms of finance and commission models and the, the banning of discretionary commission models by the SCA that came into, into play at the start of January. And uh, uh, that has affected dealers um, that, that, you know, really on a, on, a, on a deal, on any transaction, they're probably earning around half, half 50% of the commission that they were before, which means twice as many finance deals to earn the same. So, you know, when you look at large dealer groups, when a very high percentage of their group profits come from finance and not from selling the cars, the cars is just an enabler to sell mm -hmm. products and services, um, you know, the changes in regulation in terms of you know commission models has had a profound effect on that industry uh, but then what's happened is you know you've seen these unbelievable results coming out from dealer groups and how they performed yeah. and actually i think for the first time in a decade because of the pandemic and because of short supply in the market and this huge demand dealer groups have actually now been making money from the metal, from selling cars. So it's almost like a natural realignment that's happened as finance income has dropped, you know, profit on the metal has increased. Um, so that's all good news. But this change um, to the agency model is, I think, worrying franchise groups on how they're going to, you know, work their profit centers and will they get the opportunities to sell finance? And, you know, so it's, it's you know, I think it is, I think it has to happen, but I think it is quite worrying for some of the larger groups. And, yeah, you know. it definitely is. I mean, it's definitely something that gets mentioned to me when I when I when I speak to most of them. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back. The Car Dealer Podcast is driven by CarGurus. You want the best return from your advertising budgets, and CarGurus piston heads are focused on the same goal. With them, you have access to millions of monthly shoppers across both sites who can turbocharge your digital forecourts. Connect with in-market, high-quality buyers today. For more information, visit dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk and schedule a demo with their team. For a limited time only, you can get 10% reduction on your new subscription when you tell them that we sent you. That's dealerpackages.cargurus.co.uk. Now, let's get back to the quiz. Um, right, um, I will go next. Um, yes. I am going to go with um, a story about motorway, um, seeing a 300% year-on-year growth um, as used car prices continue to soar. And this is a report on the first financial figures for um, the online auction uh, marketplace motorway, who we've talked about at length on the podcast before. Um, they were um, awarded the Innovation of the Year in the Cardiff Power Awards this week, uh, which they were incredibly happy about. Um, but I thought it was interesting just to see quite how successful these guys have been between July and September this year. They've sold 20,000 cars, um, which is over 8,000 a month. Um, they are, uh, they've now done 100,000 used cars since they launched. Um, and I'm going to make a prediction on the podcast. Ooh. I think... Kazoo will buy motorway. That's <gasps> my prediction. Uh, Alex Chesterman, who, as we know, is is the man behind. This is just because we always mention motorway and we always mention kazoo, so you just want to make sure you get. Mind the two. We call that synergy. <laughs> synergy. 
Um, no, I, um, I've just think, I started thinking about it this week. When I saw that, um, I thought that they're incredibly successful. They're a brilliant digital business. Alex Chesterman is an investor in Motorway. Uh, he's very acquisitive. Um, and I'm just putting it on the record now that I think that will happen. It would make sense, wouldn't it? It would make sense. Yeah, it would. I'd agree with you on that, actually. Um, so that's my one. Yours, Beck. Thanks. Um, well, I'm going to go for another business that we always mention, and that is Tesla, who um, announced this week that the Roadster and the Cybertruck are not going to be coming until 2023, which I thought was interesting. That they, what was that, James? I said, what a surprise. Oh, I thought it was interesting that they announced this the week that everyone seems to have had a go in the Model Y. So it's like the Model Y is here, but none of this, nothing else is coming. But I, um, I forgot how long ago these were announced and the Roadster was announced in 2017, which awesome. feels like a whole lifetime away. And the Cybertruck was 2019 as well. So but then we waited something like five years or for, for the Model 3, didn't we? So it yes. was, uh, we're pretty much, we're pretty used to it. If anybody's worried about consumers uh, waiting for, for new cars. They yeah, do. true. Tesla, don't they? I know some people who put a deposit down on a Model 3 four years ago and were very happy when they got it. Mm, good point. Um, is that yours? Yeah, that's mine. Rattle through them. I'm going for mine then. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the biggest story of the week, I think, uh, mm. which was Marshall's buying car dealer group Motorline mm. in a six four and a half million pound deal. Um, this one made yesterday morning quite a busy one for me. Um, I um, well, when we heard about this one, <laughs> I was quite shocked, um, but also not quite shocked because Dash had been uncharacteristically quiet for the last couple of months, um, which normally means something's happening in the background. So I probably should have guessed uh, that he was very busy with this deal. This is a massive deal for, um, for Marshalls. It takes them to a £3.2 billion annual turnover. Um, they have bought uh, the, the entire group, which um, comprises of 48 dealers. Um, it does mean that Toyota and Lexus um, are now part of the Marshall um, business for the first time, something they've been after for a while. 19 Toyota and Lexus sites makes them the second biggest um, Toyota and Lexus dealer uh, partner in the UK after Stephen Eagle. They get seven Hyundai sites as part of it, um, four Volkswagen, three Audi, Free Skoda, um, some Nissan, Peugeot, and a Maserati site. Big, big deal. For Put that us. into perspective for me then. So how many, how big are they compared to some other dealer groups? So what, Motorline? No, Marshall now. Marshall. Well, that, that takes them up to 164 dealers, I believe. What's that like, um, a couple less than Virtue? I, yeah, or if, yeah, if not, slightly more. I, without, well, I can help you out here a bit. So really the top... The top dealer groups really are sitting in Pendragon, um, you know, in, in a quite similar size. And sitting there selling mm -hmm. five and a half to six billion pounds of cars in that kind of range a year. Uh, I, I just think in terms of the, the car sales, um, Pendragon not not too far behind behind there, I believe, or somewhere similar. Yeah. So um, Marshalls are just an unbelievable story. I mean, just you know how they built that business and. To, you know, from hear, hearing that, I know I did read about it, to get up to a total annual vehicle sales of 3.2 billion, it's kind of putting them in the reach of 
of the realms of a Pendragon and a Sin. Yes, not far off. I mean, not, so not far off. And just look, looking at Arcadia Top 100 from last yeah. year, which was 2019 figures, new one be coming out soon. Um, Sitna turned over nearly six billion. Pendragon yeah. four and a half billion. Lookers four point eight billion. Then it was Marshalls with two point two. Um, no, sorry. Then it was Virtue with three billion. Mm. We we do our list on on profit profit. So we do on EBITDA profit, not on turnover. Um, but uh, the, the, one of the points that, that Dash Dash made to me is he said when he joined that business, it was two hundred and fifty million pound turnover. Now three point two billion. Yeah, that is, that, that's incredible, isn't that's it? Massive, isn't it? I mean, it shows you what a journey he's been on with that, with that business. But yeah, I think it, this consolidation was obviously going to start happening. This will definitely not be the last. There will be many others um, that are starting to see. Actually, now is a good time to sell up, isn't it? You know, if you look at last year's figures for a lot of these dealers. They've enjoyed some some healthy healthy returns. If you're looking for a decent multiplier on your profit, now's the time to do it when you've had a good year. Um, so I reckon there will be some dealer groups. You know, this the the um, the, the family that sold up um, Motorline had, had started that business in 1972. They've obviously decided now's the right time to do it, and I think there'll be many more to come. So I think the big guys are just going to get bigger. Do you think opinion. that's the change to agency models starting to worry them so they can get a Definitely. good price? I you definitely know, think it takes is. Take some money now, and because undoubtedly that's going to cause consolidation and reduction in number of dealers. And, and also, Darren, I mean that it's been a stressful year, hasn't it? It's been a stressful eighteen months for a lot of yeah. people running businesses. Um, you know, it's been bad enough running mine, let alone one that's got fifteen hundred, two thousand employees. So. Yeah. You know, you can imagine what it's like at the top when these people have got huge bets on on big businesses. You'd think if someone's coming along with a big, big fat check and you can retire in New York, you probably would. Yeah. Well, anyone wants to pay me a big fat check? <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. We'll take it. <laughs> Marshall, over to you. That was my next one. So I'm going to go with um, one which actually kind of fits in with what we were talking about at the start about how car buyers consistently overestimate their car value which i don't think is news to any car dealers really but i thought it was really interesting car gurus did this report this week um and it was actually quite amazing how much um some people value cars over so they didn't it wasn't just a uh, random they gave these uh, 2000 people they surveyed five cars and asked them to value them um but pretty oh, pretty good story i don't know how i missed that it's absolutely yeah funny. it was only when i was digging through today i was reading it because, I mean, if you're in the car sales dealer group, as I'm sure most people are, it's consistently people in there talking about part exchanges and how much people think they're worth and how do they think they're worth so much. And in our forum as well, the number of people complaining about what um, what customers think their part exchanges are actually worth uh, versus what they are worth. We, um, but yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. It's like £4,000 over. I think what was the highest one was a Nissan Leaf, which people were valuing nearly four thousand pounds over what it was worth it was something like 20 percent more than the actual value of the car we see that all the time in the luxury markets no no different in in the higher end as well and uh, our customers always miles out on what they think the car's <laughs> worth um and uh, i don't know you know i didn't really know the luxury end you know but the luxury end every, every customer is a is a car dealer and they think they know best than car dealers, yeah. and they just don't take into account, uh, you know, prep, uh, prep of cars and the damage actually on it, and what you need to do to get it to showroom standard and dealer margins and you know reselling. 
all, all these good things that you've got to take into account. So you, you really need to be taking off, you know, a good 15% of what you think your car's worth, uh, which of course people don't because they just look at auto trader or piston heads or whatever they're looking at and go, oh, look, all these cars are for sale. That's what my car's worth. So they're comparing not like for like. And I think that's where people get it wrong. Mm. That is that is a brilliant survey, that. And um, I think it's, it is interesting because I, there, there's probably a lot of people out there, though, who do the exact opposite. And so, and I reckon it's those people that, that have been selling their cars to, to dealers over the last couple of months. And this is why they're <laughs> making such massive profit. Because I know some people say if, if they were offered 500 quid more than they thought they were going to get for their car, they'd sell it immediately. Wouldn't go off and check on online how much it was really worth well actually what's happening there is customers are getting calls from dealers who yes. sell the car up to the last 12 months and saying we'll pay you back what you what you paid for it yes. 12 months ago do you want to sell and of course everyone goes okay all my money back it's amazing yeah. yeah definitely selling but what they, they haven't done is exactly what you just said they haven't said well should i actually be getting more than what i paid for it and they just seem to be happy to get the money back and miss the trick. Because it's so unusual, isn't it? I had a call from my brother this week saying, oh, I've just had a call from my Mercedes dealer saying um, they'll give me £5,000 more for the car I've got. I said, and he said, I can't believe it. I'm going to I'm going to do it. I said, have you actually checked online how much is really, you know, <laughs> what it's actually worth? He ran me back about half an hour later. When it's it's £7,000 more than it's worth. Yeah, they're trying their luck. Wow. How yeah. much of the extra did he say he'd give you for the advice? Oh, yeah, exactly. None. <laughs> <laughs> and, and over, William. <laughs> I am um, a very different side of the story, but I was, and you can tell I've been reading the car dealer forum a lot this week, but there was one story about um, a dealer who um, was trying to do a deal on a car. Guy had the part exchange and did the usual and said, well, my car is worth X. I've seen on We Buy Any Car. And the dealer went to call him up and negotiate because he really wanted to buy the car off him. And the guy said, oh, sorry, we buy any car have actually already up their offer and um, an offer to take it away. So he was like already out of the deal, which just shows, I think, shows how competitive it is at the moment that we buy any car are actually like calling up people and trying to do, do a deal with them to get their car before the dealer does. Yeah. Um, right. My go? Yes um right what am i going to go with next oh i know what i'm going to go with um i'm going to go with a story about uh listers accounts so listers mm-hmm. um accounts came out this week and they paid their directors 7.12 million pounds during the pandemic um and i just thought this was this was a little bit uh, interesting, wasn't it? I mean, you know, companies have been taking a lot of government help over the last over the last eighteen months, especially especially those in the uh, car dealer world. Lots of car dealers have paid back their furlough cash. Um, some of the big listed dealers have have decided that that's the right thing to do. Some have even gone to pay back some of their retail rate relief. Um, but listers uh, claimed thirteen million pounds in furlough cash um, in to uh, to pay its staff during during the pandemic, um, and its directors still took home that incredible sum of money. Um, I just thought it was quite interesting that some the the you know that some of these businesses are still still deciding to pay their directors big cash, and seven million pounds is a lot of cash. Well, I sort of think why shouldn't they be paid? Everyone else got paid. Seven million quid, though. Well, how many directors is it? I know it's not like seventy, but no, probably not. I think I think the issue here is, isn't it, is if you've taken 
furlough money and support doesn't kind of feel right. It doesn't feel right. Does it? I mean, I think it's a, that, that, surely that would have been a difficult conversation in the boardroom, but you'd, you'd think most businesses would decide to pay back the government cash first before handing it out to themselves. I mean, especially that money that's coming in for, for retail rate relief, because I mean that was that's an expense that most businesses have planned for anyway. You know, it's uh, something that you that you have to pay out. So that was a di- that that money goes directly on the bottom line, doesn't it? Um. Anyway, that's my one. Over to you. Uh, this is my last one, um, which was just about Bangor Ben because obviously Bangor Ben happened this week. Did indeed. Highlights of the um, used car calendar, um, and they did a little drive around. I say a little drive it was quite a big drive. Um, drive around Wales and England up to York um, and it looked wonderful it was very good to see that everyone put as much if not more effort into the yes. cars it was a lot of effort yeah um, yeah brilliant cars this year some really good I come oh no yeah it was so um, I was, was going to say I can't remember which one won but it was obviously the Emerald House of Cars Danger Mouse car which looked amazing brilliant which I think was an MX-5 underneath um, but also the um, the khaki um, top of the flops one was my favourite. I was very jealous when I saw pit- the videos of them having a disco in the middle of the night outside their car. So that is my <laughs> final story. Very good one. Do and donate. And they do donate, and they will sell all those cars for charity. Uh, we'll be covering the auction, and then all of that cash will go to Ben. Uh, a very very worthwhile cause. Mm. Um, my last one is continuing on the used car theme, but the real highlight of the used car, mm-hmm. uh, and that is the used car awards, which are coming soon. Um, now we've got car dealer power out of the way. We are firmly focused on the uh, used car awards, which are coming up on November the 29th. These are the ones hosted by. Mr. Wheeler Dealer himself, Mike Brewer. Um, We revealed the nominations list this week, um, which was very, very hard for the judges to to whittle down, if I'm honest. Um, We had a huge, huge number of entries this year, um, and the team have to go through them all. Um, We do our first cut um, using um, a series of of online reviews. So we look at Google, uh, we look at Autotrader, we look at some of the other uh, online um, review websites. Um, we also look at all the citations that, that come in alongside these nominations um, and then we come up with our first nominations list. That nominations list has been published. Um, there are lots of categories, can't remember exactly how many. I'm pretty sure there's 30 awards this year including the manufacturer ones. Um, each one has got 10 names in the frame um, and they will now go through to mystery shopping. Well, that mystery shopping has begun. You have been warned. Um, that mystery shopping um, is carried out over the next few weeks, and then we will reveal the shortlist. And they are the names who will find out on the night whether they've won one of our awards. We take the used car awards incredibly seriously. Uh, it's very, very important to us. Um, Mike wouldn't be putting his name to them if we didn't. Um, and it's I always find it fascinating just, just to see some of these brilliant businesses that, that come out of the woodwork, especially in the newcomer of the year category and the under 50 cars category. That's that, Those two are sort of my favourite because I love the fact that we do offer the chance for, for these smaller dealers to have, have their, their, night, their night in the spotlight alongside the big dealer groups. Um, that's I think that's what makes the used car awards so special. 
Mm. I do love used car awards because it's always quite emotional when you get some of them like dealer's dealer or the lifetime achievement. Yeah. I love the standing ovation and I love the interviewing people afterwards and seeing just how much it means to them to have won these. Yeah, it's going to be good. It will be a good night. If you haven't got your tickets, get them now because they are selling out. I was going to say it's the nearly sold out used car awards, isn't it? Yeah. That's it. That's mine. That's my full set. Okay. So if that's the end of the stories, Darren, firstly, do you think we've missed anything? Well, there's there's one story. um, It's kind of a theme, really, that um, I just like to chuck into the pot. And it's just picking up from one story, I suppose, a month ago. But there's other results that come out. It's really actually the results of um, dealer groups. Yes. um, Performance. And we we talked a little bit about this and you've talked on other uh, other podcasts about it um which have the you know in the main all had extraordinarily good results and been big benefactors of this wave of car buying um over the course of the last 12 months other than jardine yes yes their results as you know the, your, your story says suffers a catastrophic year uh you know as operating profits slide you know despite the furlough money and um you know without reading into the whole article, it just seemed to be going against the trend of, of the group. So that, you know, when you look at the theme and you've had, you know, re- results out this week and in the last couple of weeks, just seemed to be against the trend and kind of cool. There are a couple, Darren, that, are, that have gone that way. And I, I did say have... Hendy as well, didn't No, yeah. Hendy did, no, did well. And the one, that, the one that sticks out, um, I, I did have two on my list that I was going to go into, and, uh, but obviously ran out of stories. But vir- I mean, Virtue, yeah. announced record half uh, half year yeah. 51.8 million pounds this week mm-hmm. but also mercedes-benz group did uh, did their results for that for the year before uh 2020 they lost 20.9 million yeah you know, so it's just it does show you that well i mean mercedes-benz retail group owned by mercedes-benz they've got very rich sugar daddies um so they probably don't need to worry quite as much but it does show you that there are some huge differences isn't there between yeah. the really good guys and the ones who are not getting it quite so right yeah it just just caught my eye and in, in, in the trend so i just wanted to mention that one it's interesting isn't it yeah so who do you think has won then oh gosh this is really difficult Can, am i allowed to have a tie or is that, is that not no. allowed it's not allowed, but this is after I had to do the judging of the week. It is actually terrible trying to choose. It's absolutely awful because I'd just like to say they're all fantastically interesting news stories. And it, it is actually amazing just how much news you get in the automotive industry in one week. And, mm. yeah. I mean, sometimes just in the day. So it's sometimes hard to, to keep up. But I do enjoy receiving the, the WhatsApp messages every morning. Go, right, what's happened here? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, crew have you know thankfully summarized it for me um, okay so uh where does my vote go um you know i'm kind of very into this week about the the news and stories about um supply in the market demand uh, values price rises uh, and all that kind of side of the market so for that reason and that reason low and it was very very close i'm afraid I'm going to have to go with James on this occasion. <laughs> wow, thank you very much. Okay, but I, I would have called it a draw, but you wouldn't let me. But uh, <laughs> there are no hard feelings it. here. So, I James, like your honesty. It's just, just swayed over if I have got. <laughs> well, thank you, Darren. It's been lovely to have you on the show today. Even thank you so much for having me. It's been <laughs> great fun.
Well, and thank you, James, as well. Um, no thank you to everyone for listening. If you want to find out more about any of the stories we've mentioned, you can click the links in the show notes below, or you can head over to cardealermagazine.co.uk and scroll down to the podcast section. Thank you again. And until next time, goodbye.